Hello, welcome to another episode of Use of Force. This week we are discussing a use of force incident that most people, I would think, have heard of. This week we are discussing the July 17th, 2014 incident where NYPD used lethal force on Eric Garner. That's right. This is along our North Shore walk of Staten Island. It just so happens that this week would be the 50th birthday of Eric Garner. And as Jesse mentioned, this is one of the more high profile instances of use of force, not just in New York City, but across this country over the past few years. Yeah, so prior to this incident, there had been, you know, a number of different incidents that gained national spotlight where police used either lethal force or unnecessary brutal force against typically black men, but people of color. And this incident in particular sparked, a, I would say, a bigger movement than we had seen in recent times, a bigger push with the Black Lives Matter movement and more protests. And we definitely saw it and experienced a lot of protests during that time in New York City, but even across the country and even in places in the world. Uh, this particular incident got a lot of attention and we're going to talk a bit about what actually happened for anyone that might not know the details. And then I'd like to discuss a little bit of some things surrounding what happened that I didn't know much about. So basically what happened on July 17th, 2014 is that Eric Garner was in Tompkinsville, Staten Island, and he had a familiarity with the cops in that area. He had actually been arrested twice that year prior to July for selling cigarettes on the street and had been charged with circumventing state tax law. So he was familiar with the officers and they were familiar with him. But on this day in July, two officers, Justin D'Amico and Daniel Pantaleo, approached him and again wanted to arrest him for selling cigarettes. He resisted arrest and the officers ultimately were forcing him or trying to force him into handcuffs. Daniel Pantaleo applied a chokehold and Eric Garner, who suffered from asthma, ended up saying 11 times, I can't breathe, which was captured on video. And he was pronounced dead just after that incident. So yeah, an hour later, an hour he later. was unresponsive on the scene when the paramedics arrived. And an hour later, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Yeah. And he was had a history of pre-existing conditions, obviously. He was 
almost 400 pounds. This is a very large man. And this was, I think, one of the reasons it was such a national story as it was one of the first instances of having an entire recording from a, a citizen right. of the situation. Right. And so since we're talking about that, uh, the person who recorded the video named Ramsey Orta, he is a member of Cop Watch, which is an organization that films police in order to hold them accountable for what's going on. And this is something that I didn't know too much about. Maybe other people are familiar with this, but Ramsey, after filming and having this video go viral and having a lot of attention put on the NYPD for bad practices. He was harassed over and over by the police. They arrested him in February of 2015 and he was incarcerated on Rikers or during the time he was waiting to be let out on bail. He was held at Rikers and he immediately started getting really sick thinking that he was getting food poisoning. And in March, so less than a month after he had been there, there was a lockdown where he couldn't prepare his own food. And the prison guards were serving the food. Him and other prisoners got really sick. They were vomiting blood. No one was taken to the infirmary. And after this all went down, there are court documents showing that there were blue-green pellets that are rat poison found in the food that was served to these prisoners, including Ramsey Orta. So that, along with he was released on bail, but only after many, many questions on was this money, you know, where's this money coming from? Was it collected in a legal way and all these questions about, you know, like they didn't want to let him out basically. And it, it's, I'm, you know, even just reading this, uh, this week and looking into it more, it makes me feel like it, it feels like a conspiracy theory, but yeah, there's all, there's all these documents to prove that this is happening, you know, and it's really, I don't know even know if I have the words for it, but it, it's upsetting to, you know, to see this and, and, I don't really know how to think about it other than that, you know, this was one of the first times that there was video evidence of NYPD officers doing something wrong and it created this national outcry. And then, yeah, they didn't, they didn't want that out there. And the person that filmed it is um, going to be treated poorly by them. Yeah. So yeah. just an just an update on his status right now. He was charged in 2016 with uh, gun and drugs possession, but he was released in May of 2020 because of COVID. So yeah, it's it's one of those things that does make you feel kind of crazy when when you you don't want to have to believe conspiracies or want to believe that people would go that far to punish somebody who is with doing something within their legal rights to do mm -hmm. and you know that 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 had actually happened that it, it it was not an accident that that was put in there but intentional yeah. but it's 
yeah, that it's hard to think otherwise given our current system. And that's where the responsibility is on the police to start improving things on their side so that citizens can start giving them the benefit of the doubt again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and not allowing for these things to happen. First of all, not allowing for the officers to be killing people that they're trying to apprehend, especially for nonviolent crimes like selling cigarettes. And then, yeah, to not be... It's it, it's just hard to see the NYPD when you hear hear about the way that things happen in their systems, in their, you know, band of brothers, and, and then it leaks into the prison system as well. It's hard not to see it as, like, a mob. Yeah. Yeah. From what I... Uh, some of the other things that I recall from reading about this instance that were inaccurate and and intentionally slanted in the police's favor was that the the D'Amico the the one officer mm-hmm. had claimed originally that Garner had 10,000 cigarettes to sell which would have been a felony when in fact he had only 100 okay and the there were not specifically with this case, but as far as Pantaleo had had a number of uh, allegations against him prior. Right. He had two civil rights lawsuits just the year before in 2013. One was a false arrest and abuse, and the other was where he and other officers that he was with ordered two black men to strip on the street for a search. And both of those lawsuits were dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had had a number of other, I guess, disciplinary actions taken against him prior. Mm. So this is from the Wikipedia page on the subject. In 2017, Think Progress obtained anonymously and published Pantaleo's police department disciplinary records showing that Pantaleo had quote, seven disciplinary complaints and 14 individual allegations lodged against him. Four of those allegations were substantiated by an independent review board. He was found guilty of one of those 14 allegations and was disciplined by a loss of two vacation days. Wow. So. Wow. It goes to show you that you can have that much accumulate, you know, against you. And then all it means is that, you know, you're not going to get paid two days out at yeah. the end of the year. Yeah, which is so crazy because, you know, it. obviously we as citizens want this police system, specifically the NYPD in our case, to be fixed and to get people that are police officers that are receiving complaints against them to have those complaints actually be reviewed and have appropriate action taken but you know we want that because we don't want police officers out there that are really bad people and really bad at their jobs and violent and racist and whatever it is that they are you know we don't want those cops out there but I don't understand why the NYPD does want them out there like this isn't you know if they had 
at the time of all those many complaints that happened before 2014, if they had actually taken appropriate action against Daniel Pantaleo, Eric Garner would still be alive and they never would have had to deal with this. They never would have had the entire country looking at them and wondering why the system in New York is so broken. You know, they really just like, it would be better for everyone <laughs> if, if these things were, were figured out. Yeah, one would think so, but they've all, it's all so bought into itself. The protection of everyone is so strong. It's to the point of beyond reason. Yeah. Yeah, and that just, that needs to be broken down. And I guess, you know, hopefully we're in the process of doing that right now at this time in history. But, uh, you know, in the case of Daniel Pantaleo, he was fired, finally, five years later, August 19th, 2019, by Commissioner James O'Neill. And there was a lot of pushback against that. You know, the police, uh, the rest of the police departments and the union, I believe, sued against that. And Daniel Pantaleo has a lawyer now and is in still in the process of trying to sue to get his job back. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, you hear this over and over. When that happened, there was announcements made that, oh, this is bad for our, our officers and this makes us, makes them feel like they can't do their jobs without fear of losing their jobs. And another time that you hear, we're, we've been hearing that recently too, when anytime we try to make everything better for everyone and make it so that the police officers have, have to actually do things correctly and not be hurting citizens while they're doing their job, there's this it just feels very like over dramatic the way that the the police unions and the people responsible for speaking for the police respond to that and you know saying that someone can't do their job because they might have to do it correctly or else they might lose their job like that's what <laughs> they should be it, it's just crazy it's just crazy i guess i don't have to explain it any further um, though there's one thing that this is making you want to talk about as well, which uh, has become in, in July of 2020, I, I remember getting pretty excited that the chokehold was, was banned in New York City. Yeah. And when I was reading about the Eric Garner incident, preparing to talk about it today, I read that the chokehold was actually banned in 1993. Okay. And so I looked into the background of the chokehold. And so to go a bit further back, in 1985, it was put into the NYPD rules and regulations documents that chokeholds are only meant to be used if the officer's lives are in danger. So right. it's like last option. Yeah. And then 
you know, once that was put into the papers, it was kind of hard to know when it was appropriate, when it wasn't. It was still being used a bit too much. So in 1993, there was an incident that also got a lot of press where a young man hit an NYPD car with a football and the officers put him in a chokehold and he died. And so at that point, they banned the chokehold altogether. Yeah. So no pressure on the airway. That was what was said. But there was no charge for it. Right. So from 93 until present day, it was still happening all the time and it would be reported there you know there were thousands of reports of complaint like civilian complaints that officers had used a chokehold but it was just banned and there was no repercussion for an officer to use it so whether it's a slap on the wrist or you know losing a vacation day or something like that or just being ignored yeah and so what actually happened in 2020 which i didn't understand but de blasio signed a bill 10 dash 181 which not only makes the chokehold unlawful which is different from banning it right but it also means that if an officer uses a chokehold they can be charged with a misdemeanor and they can be punished by up to a year in prison and or up to a $2,500 fine okay and so you know, of course, this is something that the police unions are pushing back against. And again, they're saying like, oh, this is going to make it so we can't do our jobs, blah, 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 all this. But, you know, you look at the history and it's like they haven't been supposed to use this since 1985. Yeah, that's a that's our entire lifetime. It's <laughs> yeah. longer than I've been alive. If they haven't figured out in over 30 years how to police without using this thing that they haven't been supposed to use then they're not doing their jobs. Yeah. There was, in the wiki page, there was also an instance of state legislation mm. in June of 2020. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which was the Eric Garner Anti-Chokehold Act. Okay. And so that was for any police officer in the state of New York who injures or kills somebody through the use of a chokehold or similar restraint can be charged with a Class C felony punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know. And then know Cuomo that. signed that, and he described it as a long overdue bill. Okay, and I, you know, I do remember that coming up just in the news. I think that was around the same time that 50A was repealed, right? Hmm. Yeah, I'm Which not sure. Which was when they released June the 8th. records. I think that was yeah. the same bill yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So the city one is a lot uh, more lenient than the state one. So this, you said the state one makes it a felony up to 15 years? Yeah. Right. And the city one is a misdemeanor up to a year and or $2,500 fine. Yeah. Which actually makes me wonder, yeah, I guess... I guess that means for NYPD, they would follow the city guidelines, whereas, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, it's an officer in the state of New York. I think it's probably both. Yeah, it just depends on which court it got sent to. Yeah. That seems to be the type of thing that might be 
I think it's that half measure because that's not that's not a sufficient penalty for anything that doesn't really mean anything a year and twenty five hundred dollars I think that's the type of stuff that has put Bill de Blasio in a light where no one likes him right he continually right, does these weak things mm -hmm. that are just enough to make conservative people very angry at him and not enough to feel like he's making any actual progress. Right. Yeah, it's a little wimpy both directions. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, you know, I mean, it, in some ways I think maybe he's trying to reach some kind of compromise, but the way it comes across is that he doesn't have a spine and we don't know who, what he actually cares about. Yeah. So I guess these laws are being changed now because the words that Eric Garner spoke, I can't breathe, were repeated by George Floyd when he was killed. And since the death of George Floyd, there's been a lot more attention from many more people on this subject. And I guess that's where we'll leave it for now, but yeah. we will, you know, continue to talk about this again next week and with another incident. Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, if you have anything you'd like to share, information on this incident or any other incident that we have spoken about or any other lethal use of force incident in NYC over the past decade, feel free to reach out. And until next time, bye. Bye.